pray. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you that your word makes a difference in all of our lives. As we receive it, it becomes a lamp to our feet and a light into our paths. God, I pray today that your word would just come alive and speak to every one of us right where we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning I'm going to approach Scripture just a little bit different than how I normally do it. I'm going to read from James chapter 1, and then I'm going to read from 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, in the, in the New Testament, you've got the book of James towards the back of the Bible. The very next book is 1 Peter. So we're going to read from James 1, then we're going to read from 1 Peter 1, and then I'm going to share a few thoughts about these verses of Scripture that we read together. But I want to begin a, a series today called On Trial. On Trial. In the next few weeks, I want to be talking to you about the trials that we face in life. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, In the world you have tribulation. The word tribulation there literally means pressure. In this life, there are times when we are under pressure. Is there anybody in the house today who's under any kind of pressure right now in life? Can I see a hand? Yeah, about 40% of you. Okay. In this life, there are going to be times when we are under pressure. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. If you take that verse of Scripture and you put it together what Jesus said. Basically, he said, we will face pressure in this life. There will be challenges. There will be trials, but take courage because I've overcome it. What it literally says is, I have subdued the world. I have conquered the world. I've got everything under control, so you don't need to be afraid when trials come your way. I'm anxious to do this series. I've been wanting to do it for a long time, just didn't feel like it was really time, but I'm so excited to be doing this series because I think a lot of Christians misunderstand trials. And predominantly, when you're dealing with Christians, you have basically two schools of thought. Now, it's not true of everyone, but for a lot of people as a rule, there are two schools of thought about trials. The first is Satan and all of hell is attacking me. Have you ever felt that way? Satan and all of hell is after me. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Satan and all of hell probably isn't after you. You may have stretched it and misunderstood it just a little bit. And we'll talk about that in the weeks to come. But the second school of thought is, well, God is trying to teach me a lesson for whatever reason. I'll tell you something. Both of these things might be true in some cases, but it's not randomly true in every situation. There's more to it than just that. And Scripture teaches us that there are different kinds of trials. Did you know that? There are different kinds of trials, and we're going to be looking at it from Scripture. And we need to know what kind of trial we're going through because each kind of trial demands a different response. And if you respond to a trial in a wrong manner and you don't understand what's going on, it prolongs it, it complicates it. It only makes matters worse. So we're going to be doing some teaching that will help you identify what it is you are dealing with 
when you're going through a specific trial. You know, it's commonly said that what you don't know won't hurt you. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, what you don't know won't hurt you. Well, tell that to the IRS. <laughs> tell that to the police officer when you just turned a U-turn and you didn't see the no U-turn sign. There are a lot of times in life when we are hammered because we don't know what's going on. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, God said, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. People's lives get in a mess because they don't always understand what's going on and they don't address things correctly. So we're going to look the next few weeks at trials that we face and various different kinds of trials. But today what I want to do, I'm going to take James chapter 1 and 1 Peter chapter 1, just a few verses from each chapter, and I want to lay a foundation and simply give you an introduction today about being on trial. So let's look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1, I'm going to read through, maybe make a few comments as we go. James chapter 1, let's begin at verse number 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now stop there for just a moment. I want to keep that verse on the screen. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. As a young man, I heard that, vo that verse talked about. I had people tell me, when you go through a trial, you just need to count it all joy. Can I just be real honest with you? As a young man, I hated that verse of Scripture. Because when you go through a trial, it's not very joyous. It's not a happy time because a lot of us mix up joy and happiness and we misunderstand. We think the two are the same and they're not. But he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. The word various means motley and various in character. So it means different kinds of trials, various trials, and the character of each one is different. And the word trials means a putting to proof or an adversity. Literally what it says is, count it all joy when you fall into a trial of any kind and then walk it out because you are on trial. Look at verse number three knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Isn't that interesting? He says in the middle of a trial, if you don't know what's going on, ask me, I'll explain it to you. In verse 6, he says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. In verse 7, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Interesting passage of Scripture. Years ago, I was doing some studying and when I read, across, read, read through these verses in James chapter 1, it was as if they jumped off the page at me because no one had ever explained to me that there are different kinds of trials. And I've heard the verse quoted many times. I still hear it quoted. People say, if you lack, at, lack wisdom, ask of God and he'll give it to you. 
But when you put it in context, he's talking specifically about the challenges, the pressures, and the trials of life. If you don't know what's going on, ask God and he'll show you what's going on. Then he also says you need to ask with faith, being ready to respond to what God says. As I read through those verses, it began to open up my heart and I began to do some more studying. And I came to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want you to turn there, 1 Peter chapter 1, just a few pages further back in your Bible. 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verse number 6. In, in the first five verses, Peter here is writing about the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. So speaking of salvation, he says, In this you greatly rejoice. You greatly rejoice in your salvation. Though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. Now pause there a moment. In this walk with God, my relationship with God, this thing where I'm walking with God and I call it my salvation, my life with God, in the middle of this, he said, there will be times when you are grieved by various trials. The word various and the word trials are the same exact words that James used in James chapter 1. So he's talking about the same things. In my walk with God, I will encounter some trials. And he says this in verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 8, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I really contemplated for several days how much I would get into today because I've got a lot to cover in just the next few Sundays. But I felt like today what I really needed to do was take these two passages of Scripture and simply talk to you for a few minutes, give you an introduction about trials in general and give you a handful of thoughts that will prepare you for what we're about to teach. So number one, first thought is trials are temporary. Say with me, trials are temporary. You need to say it one more time. Trials are temporary. It's very important that we understand trials are temporary because if you have a wrong perspective on trials and if you enter into a trial and you think oh my god i'm gonna have to live the rest of my life like this it will probably cause you to stumble right in the middle of that trial every trial is temporary first peter 1 6 it says in this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while everybody say little while trials only last for a little while Trials only last for a little while. As a matter of fact, in the original writings, the word for a little while, it's one word. You know what it means? Puny. In the duration of time, when you look at your entire life, when you look at eternity especially, when you look at the perspective of the big picture, trials are puny in length, in duration. They only last for a little while. Next time you encounter a trial, and for those of you who right now are in a trial, stop and realize they're temporary. God says 
They're puny. I just got to tell you something this morning. You are not puny. Your faith is not puny. Jesus said, in the world you will have pressure, but cheer up, take courage. I have subdued and I have overcome the world, and you can too. So when you enter into trial, number one, realize it's temporary. In the big picture of time, this is temporary and puny. It is short-lived, and I am going to get through this victoriously. I got, I got to tell you something. This is important for some people. It's really important for all of us, but it's important for some people to hear this because I was raised in a real old-fashioned, demonstrative, emotional, Pentecostal church. And there seemed to be this philosophy of, oh my God, I'm going through a trial. This is the most horrible thing of my entire life. And just pray for me that I'll endure to the end. Can I tell you something? That is not a scriptural perspective that God wants any of us to live with because trials are puny and we can handle it. We can overcome these things. But get your head up. Get a right perspective. It's temporary. What I'm going through right now, I'm not going to be in it for the rest of my life. I can handle it. Turn to somebody right now and say, I, I can do this. You know, when I was a little kid, when I was a little kid in Sunday school, we used to get this, this literature from our denomination. And with every Sunday school lesson, you know, we had a quarterly that they, they had the lesson in there and you had your little student quarterly with the lesson. And then they give you a little handout in Sunday school and it had coloring page or it had a puzzle page. And on that coloring page and puzzle page, it had this expression. All of them had this. It says, I can work this page. You know what? Some of you are going through a trial right now, but I'm going to tell you, it's temporary and you can work this page. You can do it because God is going to see you through. So don't give up. This is only temporary. Number two, or actually, let me, let me share one more thing before I go on. You know, trials are like a tunnel. How many of you have ever driven through a tunnel? You've been in a tunnel. Trials are like a tunnel. You go in one side and you go out the other. Now, you can stop in the middle and sit there and hold up traffic if you want to, but you can keep going. It doesn't take long to go through a tunnel. I've been through some fairly long tunnels, going under bodies of water, going through mountains. It doesn't take long to go through a tunnel if you keep moving because it's temporary. It's puny in the big scheme of things. So keep your perspective and keep moving. Number two, trials create heaviness. Jesus said in this world you'll have pressure. Trials bring a certain amount of pressure upon us. 1 Peter 1, 6, he said, In this greatly, or you greatly rejoice for a little while, if indeed be you've been grieved by various trials. I want to talk to you about this for a minute because this is really, really, really important. The, the word grieved here means to be distressed or to be saddened. Have you ever been in a trial and you were just really, 
you have this heaviness on you it's like you're walking around with this cloud just resting upon you and it's like man this is a tough time see what happens is if we're not careful trials and the pressures of life can put a certain sadness upon us and if we're not careful we begin to believe what our emotional man is saying about what we're going through people say well you know what you don't understand my emotions are real yes yes your emotions are real but they're liars your emotions will lie to you well I'm going through this trial and there's this real heaviness on me so God wants me to walk around with this long face because this is a tough time and everybody around me needs to know about it. You know what Jesus told people, religious people first and his followers also? He said, what y'all need to do is when you fast, you need to wash your face and comb your hair and quit walking around with that long look on your face like, oh, look at me, I'm going through this stuff for Jesus. He said, cheer up. Get your head up. Stop and realize not only is it temporary, there may be a heaviness, but I'm going to walk out from under this heaviness soon and it's going to be okay. Don't let your emotions govern your life. There's a whole sermon here and I don't have time to do it today. But you see it in Elijah and you see it throughout the Bible. Once, one week in this series or part of this series, I'll talk about discouragement. People get discouraged when they let their emotions get the best of them. They begin to believe what their feelings are saying. Well, it doesn't feel good. I don't feel good. I don't like what I see. I don't like this. I don't like that. So things are going to be horrible. You talk yourself into depression. And what Peter and James were saying here is, look, there's going to be pressure. There's going to be trials. You're going to go through some stuff, and it's going to be a weight on your life. But you don't need to give in to it because you can beat this thing. You can beat it. So with this heaviness, don't let desperation set in. Don't get discouraged. Don't go into a state of depression. It's going to be okay. Number three, and here's where it gets fun. We should approach trials with joy. We should approach trials with joy. I commented on it earlier, James 1, 2, my brethren, count it all joy. What it literally means is consider it joyfully. Consider it joyful when you encounter a trial. Now, can I, can I give you a contrast here? This doesn't mean, oh, boy, I'm getting to go through a trial. I get to go through a trial. Isn't this wonderful? It's not what it's talking. It doesn't mean get all excited and shout and act goofy because you're going through a trial. What it's saying is approach the trial with joy. There's a difference between joy and happiness. Joy in Scripture means cheerfulness and calm delight. I love it. I love it when... Somebody's talking to me, and I, in conversation, I start finding out they've been going through a tough time. You never would have known it because they were calm. They were delightful. They knew this is going to be okay. It's no big thing. I'm going to walk it out. You didn't even know they were going through anything because they had this calm delight. 
Scripture calls it joy. Did you know joy is a fruit of the Spirit? Let me go one step further. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. It's the second one mentioned in the list. It's one of the things that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He brings the ability to live with joy, this calm delight. But a lot of us have been taught, well, when you're going through a trial, let everybody know, I am miserable, this is tough, I am not happy about this. And Jesus, the sooner you fix this, the better off the both of us are going to be. Approach it with joy. Joy doesn't mean I'm so excited about this trial, but joy helps me keep things in the right perspective while I'm in the trial. Because, see, if you don't keep your joy, your emotions will take over. So we have to approach trials with joy. Number four, as a matter of fact, do you know joy is a stabilizer? Joy is a stabilizer. The joy of the Lord strengthens us. It's a stabilizer in the middle of trials. We need to understand that and keep our joy. No, number four, we should approach trials with patience. James 1.4, he says, But let patience have its perfect work or its complete work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This is the other part of trials that most of us resist from Scripture. First is the idea of facing it joyfully. The second thing is being patient. Does anybody here love patience? One, two, that's what I thought, three. You have to approach a trial with patience. Why? Because in your trial, it's a process of something being developed and purified in you and strengthened in you. And if you lose your patience, it's very easy to miss out on some of what God's trying to do in your life. The word patience literally means cheerful endurance. Cheerful endurance. How many days has it been now? It's been two days, three hours, and 14 minutes. And I'll sure be glad when this is over. It's not patience. Patience is, there's a process here. Patience is working something in me. God is doing something bigger than what I know, and I'm going to keep walking with him and trusting him. And, you know, time isn't the issue. You know, I teach this all the time, and I hope we as a church can keep growing in this until we understand it. It's not about time. Very few things in life are about time. We put everything in a time frame, but with God, he is in no hurry. It's not about time. It's about the process. It's about what he's trying to do for us and in us and through us. Can we stay with this process from beginning to end? This passage of Scripture, James said, let patience finish what it started. Let patience finish what it started because patience brings me to a place of completion now i'll get to more of this later on because at the end of this message i'll talk about or near the end i'll talk about this more 
But there are a lot of us who miss things that God's trying to do in us because we get in too big of a hurry and we jump out of things and we scream and yell and kick until we run out of a trial and we find ourselves later on coming back, God bringing us back to this place, trying to finish what he started in us. We need to learn patience. And everybody knows the old expression, I want patience, God, and I want it when? Right now. Right now. It doesn't work that way. It's not about the time frame. It's temporary. It's puny. It's a matter of letting God finish all that he's doing in me. Number five. A couple more. Number five. And here's where it really gets interesting. Trials are a test. A trial is a test. A trial is... A test. That's why this series is called On Trial, because when you enter into a trial, you're on trial. But do you want to know what's really on trial? It's your faith. Your faith is on trial. What do you believe? No, not what do, you, what do you say you believe. What do you believe? What do you really believe? This is why it's so important that we understand what kind of trial we're dealing with. Because if we don't know what kind of trial we're dealing with, we don't even know what to believe that God said he would do in the middle of that kind of trial. There are promises for every trial. But if we don't identify the trial, we misuse the promises and misunderstand the promises. And it causes confusion in our relationship with God. Can I, can I tell you something? This is one of those times where I want to just sit down on the step here and talk to you as a pastor. God doesn't want you to live in the dark about everything. Did you know that? Well, I don't know. I've been walking with God for 20 years. I don't know what God's doing. I have no idea. God doesn't want us to be in the dark about everything. Now, there are some things we may not understand in this life. There are some things we don't always know till after the fact. But for the most part, God wants you to know where you are, what's going on. That's why the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet. It shows us right where we are. It's a light into our pathway. It shows us where we need to go next, even when we don't fully understand. We as believers have got to stop living in the dark. Well, I don't know. I just got this heaviness and I'm just ready to give up. I'm ready to chuck it all. I'm just ready to quit serving God. Friend, let me tell you something. When you're in a trial, your faith is on trial. James 1, 3. He says, know that the testing of your faith produces patience. The testing of your faith. Trials will test my faith because I need to know what I really believe. Now, now let, me, let me talk to you about this for a minute. People say, well, God knows my heart. God knows I believe him. Here's the problem. Faith is not what's between your ears. Faith is what you, is between your ears that is so strong inside of you that you're convinced of it, that you begin to step out into areas that are unseen and unknown because you know God's leading you there. Let me put it this way. Faith is an action word. It's not just I believe this. It's what am I willing to live by? Can I go one step further? What am I willing to hang my life on? God wants us to come to a place where we are willing to hang our lives on his word, knowing he will not fail us. 
Well, I wish God wouldn't let me go through trials. Are you kidding me? God's trying to teach you his word is true. He's trying to show you that what he said is true. You can believe it. You can take it to the bank. You can hang your life on it. And he is not going to let one piece of this word fall to the ground. And he won't let you fall to the ground either when you're believing him. And we say lots of things. Well, I, God knows my heart. And you know, yeah, I believe God, but. I believe God, but. I believe God, but. That's the problem right there in the middle. I believe God, but. It's the but that keeps me from acting by faith and following God and stepping out where God says I can live and should be living. This is good preaching today. Now, you're, you're, you're just stretching us a little bit too far out there. No, I'm stretching you where God wants you to go. Please, go with us, okay? God's trying to increase and stretch and grow our faith. Well, God's going to do what God's going to do. Many times in Scripture, including in the ministry of Jesus, you see that God did what people believed for. And we need to be willing to believe God above all else. God's trying to develop that in me. 1 Peter 1, 7, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire. Though it be tested by fire. Sometimes your faith will go through the fire. And here it is. Here's what I want to get to right here about this point. You need to know what you believe. You need to know what you are willing to hang your life on. You know what else? The enemy needs to know what you're willing to hang your life on. Because he's going to beat on you and beat on you and beat on you until he knows what you believe. And once he knows that you're convinced and you believe, he's going to back off and leave you alone. See, Jesus, it says, when he was tempted in the wilderness, he was tempted for 40 days and the enemy threw everything at him, every temptation he had. Jesus overcame it all. And it says that when that temptation time was over, the enemy left him for a season. And angels came and ministered to him. Well, he showed up later on in the garden when Jesus was about to go to the cross. When the enemy knows what we believe and he knows we're not going to move, he'll leave us alone. But as long as there is a crack in our faith, he'll keep hammering on it and hammering on it and hammering on it. And God says, just trust me. Just keep walking. This thing is temporary. Be patient. I'm going to see you through this thing. It's going to be okay. I am going to grow your faith and you will never again be tormented and intimidated by the enemy. Why does the enemy keep intimidating me? Because he can. Because you believe. Because you leave the door open to him. This is good preaching. I like this. I'm going to get this CD myself. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got to get a cassette from my car. I forgot. This is good. It's good teaching. See, the only authority God has in your life is what you believe him to have. The only authority the enemy has in your life is what you believe him to have. And as long as you believe the enemy can destroy your life, he's going to beat on you and torment you and you're going to live in fear. And you're going to go through trial after trial after trial because God's trying to teach you. He can't do that. He can't do that. He can't do that. Quit worrying about it. Don't be afraid of it. He can't do that. And when we come to a place where we believe God and hang our lives on it, all of a sudden peace just floods in. The trial is over and the enemy goes away and leaves us alone. Amen, Pastor Gary. That's good. See, Peter talked about genuine faith. 
Genuine faith there means trustworthy faith, faith you can trust. You know, Peter, in his walk, when he was with Jesus, he had some high moments and some low moments. There were some moments when his faith cracked. There were some moments when his faith wasn't strong. And I'll get into this one week. Jesus one day said to him, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I'm praying for you that your faith will not fail. God wants to bring you to a place where your faith doesn't fail, where you believe God and you see God be God day after day after day. Now, let me ask you a question. How does school work? Some of you, it's been so long you've kind of forgot, so I'll give you a refresher, okay? Here's how school works. You take the class. At the end of the class, you take the final exam, right? And if you pass the test, what do you do? You go on to the next class. If you fail the test, what do you do? You take the class over. Well, I keep going through the same trial over and over again for 20 years. That's because for 20 years, God's been trying to help you pass the class by passing the test. Well, I don't like it when you talk this way to us. I'm, I'm going to find a church where they don't talk like this. You can. You can, but 20 years from now, you'll still be going through the same trials. Why don't you go ahead and beat this thing now and move on to what's next? It's good for you. If I'm in a trial, my faith is on trial. It's being tested. Faith is for challenges. You know, years ago, I, there was a lot of doctrine going around that talked about, well, if you really have faith, you're not going to have problems. Are you kidding me? Faith is for problems. It's for challenges. If you're not going to have problems and challenges, you don't need faith. Faith isn't to keep you out of stuff. Faith is to walk you through stuff victoriously. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have pressure, but cheer up and lift up your head. I've overcome it. You can too. Faith is for the challenges of life. What is faith? Faith is simply believing God, including believing God and what he said about the trial that you're facing right now. Genuine, trustworthy faith is developed in times of trial. Peter said it's more valuable than gold. Your faith is more valuable than your money. Your faith is more valuable than your house. Your faith is more valuable than your car. Your faith is more valuable than anything that you have. And trials only build it and strengthen it. Number six, I'm only going to... A couple more things here real fast. Number six, I mentioned this earlier. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. James said, if you're in a trial and you don't understand what's going on, ask of God. He'll give you wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to take all the information and chart a course of action. It ties in with faith. Wisdom is knowing where to go next and how to walk out this situation. James said, if you don't know what's going on, you don't understand it, ask God to show you and he will show you. But, everybody say but. But when you ask, you have to ask in faith, which means you have to ask saying, God, you show me what to do and I'll do it. Because whatever you ask God to show you something, he's probably going to give you a step of faith to take. Why? Because it's your faith that's on trial. It's your faith that's on trial. 
Ask for wisdom. And then trust God and follow his wisdom. Then the last thing, I want to look at one more scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm almost finished. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to ask you to turn there real quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, one verse, verse number 13. This is the very last thought. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Now, pause here just a moment. Did you know you're not the only one going through trials? I mean, this is horrible to admit, but I go through trials sometimes. No, it's not horrible to admit. Are you listening to me? Everybody goes through, nobody has ever had to suffer like me. No, nobody ever handled it the way you're handling it. That's what's really going on. No temptation has overtaken you such as is common to man. But God is what? Faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Last thought, number seven. God will not abandon me in times of trial. Where's God in all of this? He's right next to you. He's probably got his arm around you, leading you along. You don't even know it because you get so wrapped up in your emotions, you fail to understand he's there. He's there. He will not allow you to go into a trial that can crush you. Are you hearing this? That's what he said. No trial can crush you. Because if it gets to the point where it's impossible, God himself will make a way of escape out of it. God can miraculously turn around and walk you right out of it if needs be. He can do it. He has not abandoned you. See, one of the most common things that happens when people go through trials is they get under all this pressure, all this heaviness, and they start thinking, well, God's not with me anymore. Yes, he is. And he will not allow you to be crushed Jesus said, I'll not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. That's why Hebrews 13, 5 says that Jesus himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I want to pray for you this morning. Because I know some of you are going through trials. Some of you are under pressure, and it's very real. It's not a joke. And I know I've been very straightforward and some of you think well you've been a little sarcastic no i don't mean to be that's just how i'm wired i talk to myself that way i call myself dummy sometimes but here's the point i know some of you right now are under pressure different kinds of pressure you're having questions what do i do we've talked about some guidelines we're going to get into more detail the next few weeks but i want to pray for you today i'm going to ask everybody to just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment because first of all, before I pray for you, I want to make sure everybody in this place has a chance to make sure they're in relationship with God. <coughs> if you're here today, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's the greatest decision you can ever make in life. Most important decision you ever make. Maybe you've sat in this service today and you've listened to me talk and you've thought, man, I, I go through all kinds of pressure situations. I wish I had God's help. You can have God's help. But it demands you laying aside all of your own claims to ruling your own life and saying, God, I need you. 
I need Jesus to become the Lord of my life. The way you do that is through a prayer. Maybe right now there's something knocking on your heart and you're realizing, man, what this guy is saying is true. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God's Spirit knocking on your heart. God's saying, I want to be in relationship with you. I want you to be my child. But you have to open the door to let him in. You do that through a prayer, through words, saying, God, come in. I want to lead everybody here in that prayer. I want to ask everybody here to pray this prayer right out loud. And as I pray it, you pray it with me and repeat these words. Just open your heart and let God come into your life. Everybody pray this. Say, God, I need you. And I open my life to you. Please come in. I believe that Jesus is my Savior. I believe he died for my sins. And I put my faith in Jesus. From this moment forward, God be my Father. And I'll be your child. I want to learn to walk with you. And I want to know you all the days of my life for eternity. Thank you for receiving me. You are now my father. I am your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, one more thing. Here's what I want to do. I felt so impressed this week, and I know we're, we're about four or five minutes later than normal, but I feel so important about this moment. I feel like God wanted me to do it this way today. If you're going through a challenge right now and you're seriously going through some, some really deep waters, I want you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. Just as a sign of your faith, trusting God. If you're going through something really difficult right now, I want you to stand up. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't surprise me at all. You know, Scripture says that we're to cast all of our cares upon Him because He cares for us. I want everybody, those of you who are standing, just, just hold your hands like this. Take your cares. Oh, just cast it on the Lord. Would you do that? Just throw it on him. Come on, do that motion. That's childish. No, it's not. Cast your cares on him. I want to pray for you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we're casting our cares on you today because you care for us. Father, I pray for everybody in this room right now who's standing to their feet, going through a difficult time. It may be physical, maybe financial, maybe spiritual. God, it could be one of many different things. It could be a mental battle, emotional battle. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I pray that you'd begin to speak wisdom into each one of these lives that they would know what to do in the middle of this challenge. That whatever's going on, they will not quit. They will not give up. They will not give in. Their faith is being tested. And right now, they would have determination. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I'm going to believe God. But I am not going to give up. Father, in Jesus' name, strengthen us in the innermost man. And then let that spirit man begin to spill over into our emotions. And Father, I take authority over emotions right now. And I command the lies of emotions to settle down and just be quiet right now. I command nerves to settle down. I command all the lies of the enemy to be silenced. We'll stop listening to the wrong voices. We will only listen to the word of God. Father, we'll walk this out because this is just a puny thing. We're going to get through it in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just give God praise together right now?